if you are receiving this, that's awesome. Okay, why can't you beat the Mandalorian in a race, eh? Oh, it's easy, because he has the best car. This is the way. Totally. The Mandalorian proves that the dark side really does have cookies. Oi, they're Imperial Travel Biscuits. Whatevs. What do you call a dog magician? I don't know. A labracadabrador. You know, studies show that cows produce more milk when the farmer talks to them. Oh, really? It's a case of in one ear and out the other. You know, I invented a thought-controlled air freshener. Why? Well, think about it. It makes sense. Welcome to the Intergalactic Boombox. I'm Kyle Aber, and I approve this message. Do you feel bonita? Because you look bonita. John Wick 4 is now in theaters, posting the longest runtime in the series, alongside a ton of great reviews. I won't be able to catch it till next week, as I will be in Anaheim at WonderCon. But I do love the franchise, and I can't wait to see Part 4. Sadly, just a couple days before the premiere, one of the supporting characters appearing in all four John Wick films, Lance Reddick, the concierge of the Continental Hotel, he passed away from natural causes on March 17th at age 61. Now, Lance had built up an impressive resume on screen in series like The Wire and Lost and plenty of voice work in games like Destiny, Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Forbidden West, and his final role will be heard voicing Hellboy in the upcoming game Hellboy Web of Weird. Not only an accomplished and beloved actor, he was one of us, a.k.a. Nerd. I was scrolling on TikTok the other day and I came across one of his videos. Not only was he in Destiny, he loved to play Destiny. So much respect. Lance Reddick, you will be missed. Time to give some props to the Sat Cats. These are the cats that spat some sats, satoshis, within a podcasting 2.0 app at newpodcastapps.com. You can customize little microtransactions. It shows support directly to the podcast in-app as you listen. Dreb Scott is a sat cat this week for 31,666 sats. Says, just boosting for the boost. boost. Keep up the great work and say hi to Ken for me. Hey, Ken, Dreb says hi. High fives, Drew. Herbert. Go join Mumford and Sons. Uh, why? So I can yank the banjo out of your hand and beat you over the head with it. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Joel W, 475 sats and says fart squirrels for the win. Walter W gives uh, 475 sats as well and says 500 sats for fart squirrels. They stink, bruh. <laughs> Oppie1984 gave 1,884 sats. Just heard an interesting coincidence. Episode 84 of the Intergalactic Boombox aired on January 20th. I was born on January 20th, 1984. What was I doing in 1984? I was, uh, let's say in January, I was still a freshman in high school. Because I'm old. The Last of Us has completed season one and it will return for season two. It's up in the air as to what direction it's going to go in terms of adapting Last of Us to the game. Reviews and praise have been heaped on high from critics and fans alike. I got to say, it's great television. I love it. But I ask you, which experience do you prefer, the show or the game? Andrew Trapp says game for sure. More invested when you're a part of it. Wolf Wings 2 says show. I find it funnier and more sad. Well, that's a that's a wide gamut of emotions there, Wolf. SWP2241 says, I like them both, since each version has a different take. While I like the game's action moments, I really like all the drama moments in the show, and it really expanded on the lore. Revel741 says, the game, but I was still happy with the show. 
My friend Jeff Lee prefers the show. 415 Girl says, it's a toss-up. Game equals smashing bricks through people. The show equals Nick Offerman, a national treasure. Brandon Young says, it's a toss-up between the two for me. There were some parts in the game that handled better, and there were parts of the show that did better. Prime example of the game doing something better is the arrival to the Salt Lake Hospital. The show did the beginning stuff better, though. New question. I'm a collector of movie soundtracks. And I want to know who your favorite movie composers are. Of course, you think of the big ones like John Williams, Hans Zimmer, James Horner, Jerry Goldsmith, Michael Giacchino, Danny Elfman, Bear McCreary, hell, Trent Reznor. I could go on for days, but uh, I, I just can't narrow it down to one, though. Sometimes individual songs from scenes in movies, those stand out in my head, aside from the iconic movie themes. Not soundtrack songs, mind you. I'm talking score. My favorite modern movie music cue is by Junkie XL from the Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack. The song is called Storm is Coming, and the orchestra swells to this awesome melody that just gives me chills every time I hear it. So what composers from movies move your soul to enhance your movie-watching experience? Boost your reply with a Boostagram in a free Podcasting 2.0 modern podcast player app. Those are totally free, by the way. From newpodcastapps.com, your customizable microtransaction will support the show during playback in-app and gives you the chance to send a custom message. So do it, do it! Or you can always reply at BoomboxPod on Twitter. Lots of DC stuff this week. James Gunn is directing the new Superman movie and will be quoting from a condensed version of his tweet. And reciting that tweet will be a musical rendition by the king himself, Elvis Presley. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm directing Superman Legacy to be released on July 11, 2025. I was offered Superman years ago. I initially said no because I didn't have a way of that. Felt unique and fun and emotional to gave Superman the dignity he deserved. I love this script and incredibly excited as we begin this journey. Hashtag up, up and away. Thank you, thank you very much. Zack Snyder certainly had his share of controversy through the years with his DC cinematic vision, but his fans have supported him enough to get the Snyder Cut of Justice League released, which I definitely prefer to the Joss Whedon version. Snyder is currently working on his next project, Rebel Moon, sci-fi epic for Netflix, but fans of his DCEU movies will be happy to learn. There's a three-day event in the L.A. area, screenings of Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and his cut of Justice League. Each of the screenings will be followed by a Q&A panel with Zack Snyder. Whoa, 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 no, Captain. What gets, okay, gets, what's the matter? You're promoting an event whose tickets go on sale the day this episode of the podcast drops, man. Your timey-wimey's all winky-wonky. Yeah, you make about as much sense as what Chiggles just said. I mean, honestly, I don't know if Dawn of Justice will sell out. Uh, you know what? That's fair. It's still geek newsworthy, and who knows, maybe there'll be a couple tickets left after all. Right, like on StubHub. Scalpers are total jackwagons. I wonder if this SnyderCon event is an attempt to woo his way back into the new regime at DC with James Gunn and Peter Safran. Like, if it sells out, he might get a shot at doing his own self-contained thing, like the Batman or Joker 2. I'd love to see the apocalyptic future from the Snyder Cut of Justice League. I'd like to see how that plays out. You know, maybe an Elseworlds self-contained story. Elseworlds is DC's version 
version of Marvel's What If. DC has enough nightmares, bros. Yeah? People are way more into Cocaine Bear instead of Shazam Fury of the Gods. Yeah, and I heard Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom is literally drowning with his test screenings. Yeah, yeah, not a good sign. There's, there's more buzz about Michael Keaton's Batman in the upcoming Flash than the Flash himself. Speaking of Batman, a cancelled, before it's even debuted, animated series has found its way to a different streaming platform. Originally announced for HBO Max just a couple of years ago, Warner Brothers Discovery has instead licensed Batman Caped Crusader to Amazon for not one, but two seasons. J.J. Abrams' Matt Reeves, who directed The Batman, and Bruce Timm, you'll know his name from the original 90s animated series, they're all attached as producers. It's another weird move for Warner Brothers Discovery, pulling all sorts of strange shenanigans with their properties. AI continues to get exponentially smarter every day with everyone's queries submitted to the ever-evolving algorithm. OpenAI has enjoyed quite the victory lap with ChatGPT released last November and getting a lot of buzz all over the interwebs. And now they've announced GPT-4, the latest multimodal upgrade, which will supposedly weed out more of the inaccuracy bugs and creepy, scary, or unethical replies. Fembot Betty. Bam, blam. Hola, Fembot Betty. Sup, yo? Not much, just doing the podcast. You know, what's an AI story without the resident AI on board the boombox? Cold, soulless, dead. Ah, so like you. Not bad for a human. <laughs> I like you, Kyle. I'll kill you last. Coming in? I say we have a debate where Siri, Alexa, and GPT debate each other. Ah. They'll all short circuit in no time. Sounds like someone's jealous. I'm not jealous. I'm simply the superior AI. You know, I, I should just change your name to Fembot Caddy. I wonder if all AI programs and digital assistants aren't already merging into some global entity anyway. You really should stop thinking. You'll hurt yourself. No, oh, too late. <laughs> I mostly listen to streaming music, but over the past decade plus, I've gotten back into vinyl record collecting. Kind of like rediscovering my childhood. The larger artwork, the memorabilia, the liner notes, the experience of putting the needle down on the record and just listening. I've got a Victrola Carbon Wi-Fi streaming turntable and Sonos speakers. And between repressings, rare originals, or box sets, this is not a cheap hobby. And the music industry is taking note. NPR is reporting that vinyl albums have outsold CDs for the first time since 1987. That's the year I graduated high school. 41 million albums versus 33 million CDs. Streaming is, of course, leading the charge with 84% of the revenue. But physical media, it's certainly holding on, just like in home video. Record pressing plants are struggling to keep up with the demand. Musicians owning such plants aren't totally unheard of, like Jack White, formerly of the White Stripes and now a very, very successful solo artist. I'm a big, big, big fan of his stuff and his record label. In fact, he's the one that kind of inspired me to get back into record collecting. His label, Third Man Records, not only for just bands on his label, but an actual pressing plant. Everything from indie to mainstream bands. And he's got more than one. And now Metallica are dipping their feet into the wax, as it were, as the band has entered a partnership with Furnace Record Pressing, who have churned out the band's mini box sets alongside a diverse range of acts, which will continue. Alongside Metallica, whose latest album, 72 Seasons, will release on April 14th on digital, CD, cassette, and mini vinyl color variants. Mmm, delicious. From my top-secret underground bunker in Pahrump, Nevada, where truth is a bitter pill. Well, that's 
Morbid. Oh, pipe down, Herbert. Speaking of pills, you're so ugly, you look like you were set on fire and put out with a chain. Ken, what did I ever do to you? You, sir, have been terminally up my craw for eons. Well, rhetorically speaking, that's true. I'm a voice actor. I created you. You seriously need a shrink. The one in Beverly Hills? Dr. Everything will be all right? No, Dr. Muzak. You're about as soft as elevator music. Ken, you're a figment of my imagination. Oh, yeah? Well, I hate figs. Anyway, it's time for all the news you can't use. Page one. Society marches to the beat of technology. And throbbing obnoxious noise Gen Zers call music. But some companies still embrace old school. Chuck E. Cheese has some locations where the animatronics still use floppy disks. Huh. Less than two megabytes loaded with dance routines work alongside DVDs to trigger the music and light show. Throw it all together, and you get the precursor to Five Nights at Freddy's. Bunch of robot animals staring at you with those dead googly eyes. Nightmare fuel, like my ex-wife. Page two. The youth of today continue to defecate stupidity. The latest social media trend is to gulp down a hangover preventative cocktail called a Borg. It's a mix of water, booze, and electrolytes. <laughs> These idiots can't even reference Star Trek correctly. Uh, Ken, it's, it's not a Star Trek reference. Oh. It stands for Blackout Rage Gallon. Uh-huh. Which happens to be a good name for a band. Page three. Attention, Gen X and millennial crypto bros. Sesame Street are launching nifties. Ah, uh, that's NFTs. Uh, what the hell's that? Non-fungible tokens. You need those to play The Last of Us in an arcade? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, NFTs. Uh, JPEGs that con artists try to sell you as one of a kind, hoping you'll forget that you can just right-click or screen cap. No, Ken, you got it all wrong. See, you, you pay $60, uh -huh. and then you'll be the verified owner of the content. Even though they're making over 5,000 editions of the same image. Uh, which character? Okay, I'll give you a clue. C is for cookie is good enough for me. Great, Gooka Mooka, call a priest. Nah, nah, it's just Cookie Monster. You know what? That guy owes me money. Really? He's supposed to buy me 10 boxes of Thin Mints and Tagalongs. Then he made off with the loot. Man, I hate when that happens. And I'm spent. That's all the news you can't use. Conspiracy here from my dump in Parump. Aw, look at the time. The Intergalactic Boombox is brought to you by Crocodile Mundy's Didgeridoo Rental, the coalition of dad bods with insane amounts of back hair, and Stinky Feet's Toe Jam, now in strawberry flavor. Remember, kids, the immortal words of Austin Powers. Carnies, circus folk, nomads, you know. Smell like cabbage, small hands. Uh -huh. Till next time, turtles.